These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cinema A to B. Alec, um took us both a little bit to to get this thing watched and <laughs> <laughs> kind of for good reason it is not an easy watch so the the film is it's all quiet on the western front the netflix exclusive mm-hmm. this thing's brutal yeah why don't you lead us off on this this uh war film from from last year so initial thoughts um it's brutal like you said i feel like it's trying to be kind of like a Terrence Malick war film. Like I got a lot of thin red line vibes from it. Granted, thin red line, different world war, but like that's the the feeling I was getting. Um, all it needed was a babbling brook that we sat on for 30, 40 seconds that uh, we didn't get. Um, outside of that, definitely showed the brutality of war, but wasn't the best, ver- like definitely wasn't the best I've seen of showing the brutality of war. Like it didn't get to like saving private Ryan levels of brutality um, in this. And again, different world war. Um, there was slightly, some slight differences. Um, I compared it a lot while I was watching it to 1917. Cause obviously that's pretty fresh in my mind of seeing a world war one film and obviously a very different film. I had a little bit more of a focus story on like one or two characters. I mean, this had this, but it was definitely much more of the, what do you do in the, you know, as the, the losing opponent in a, you know, four year war. Um, and kind of, what does that look like? Um, so I walked away, uh, not impressed is not, I mean, it was, it was perfectly fine. Like, you know, well done. Some shots were absolutely amazing. Some, some look, uh, like I just saw, I just saw it was just amazed by just the framing of the care uh, of it, the actual quality of it, even though I'm watching it obviously on Netflix compressed being streamed to my house, it still looked gorgeous for most of it. I just never was super engaged by it. I think I never was. Um, and the parts that were sad were really telegraphed very much. So, um, Oh Yeah. So like, <laughs> like knew this was coming. So it, it it didn't hit the same way because I was like, oh yeah, you know X Y Z is gonna die. You know, spoiler. <laughs> there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of people that die in this movie. So like, I'm not like so. Oh yeah, cats, emotion- cats death. Yeah. Cats death telegraphed. What maybe 20 minutes ahead of time. Oh yeah, yeah I was just time. like, okay, I'm just kind of like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I was know like, this is coming. How's this, this is coming? coming. I mean, and one, they spent too much time building up that relationship. Like, even though like, ha- like half of the movie, I was like, well, you know, at least one of them's going to die, you know? And granted, like, this is technically the third revision of this, this movie, but it's not a remake of the movie. Technically, whatever it is, like there, it was actually a book called all the quiet on the Western oh, yeah, front yeah, that I it's know. based off of. So like famous you know, book. Yeah. Famous book. Haven't read it. So, uh, no. you know, no, <laughs> neither have I. <laughs> no, um, but you know, and it was kind of the, uh, yeah, this is the, this is kind of the antithesis of 1917 Yeah, as a movie. Cause 1917, you know, y- you go through the depravity and horrors of war, but 
the main character, spoiler alert, the main character is still alive in 1917 at the end. And, and there's some hope there about like what he's trying to get back to spoiler alert as well on this. That didn't happen. So this movie reminded me, I don't know if you've ever seen it. 1993, there was a movie called Stalingrad. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. From the German perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's very similar to this. It's just bleak and all the guy, it, it opens kind of the same too, where they're, it's a, you know, German, company and they're they're fresh never seen battle and they're all you know gung-ho about fighting the russians and then the reality sets in that no one's making out of this making it out of this alive so it reminded me a lot of that you're right it is it is a spectacularly shot film mm -hmm. i can see why it's on the nomination list for best cinematography yeah 100 percent. and now admittedly i've not seen everything that's nominated so I can't really make a great judgment call, but I'd probably put this right near the top as far as stuff I saw from 22. Yeah. And it's, it is, it's, it's a beautiful image. The color grading is fabulous shot selection, but yeah, it didn't, the emotional beats just don't quite hit all the time. It's kind of, and the performances aren't, aren't really not that memorable that, that Albrecht, uh, shoosh, Shul. He plays Cat. Shush, yeah, yeah. He's the best. He's oh, yeah. the best actor in the whole thing. Like, and there's no, there's nobody close to him. Um, I mean, even Daniel Bruhl's character, like, Daniel does a great job of playing whatever uh, that Erzberger guy yeah. is, and you know, sign, signs the treaty. But he's not. It doesn't have enough screen time to really, you know, pull at it. Albert. No, and I think they put him in it as a kind of a marketing. You know, yeah. usually you need to get one big, bigger name in your movie if you can to get audiences to watch it. I think this movie needed another big name. Mm -hmm. I think if it had one other big name, either either in the lead as Paul or somebody else with a lot of screen time, it would have helped a lot. And I, that's just reality. Like it, it may not even have made the movie that much better, but I think more people would have seen it. I so so I, I slightly disagree. I think I mean I. The, the acting was eh, like it was definitely mid grade. Um, I wouldn't say anything. I completely agree with you that Albrecht was definitely the best of it with Cat. Like he's he was fantastic. Like the one that actually drew my eyes. Um, I think they needed to tighten up the story in a little bit, little couple different ways. I mean, we had a couple time jumps um, that you know obviously overseeing that hey that they've now spent a year in war. You know, going from their you know where it is. But I never. I never grasped on to Paul and his friends like that little group. Like it never, I never was actually like engaged with him. Whereas like with 1917 or Thin Red Line, like I was able to actually start to care for the characters. And I don't know how much of that is what the director did or how much of it was trying to see this from the German perspective, knowing that they're going to fail, knowing, you know, history regards them as the bad guys in this this scenario um and those kind of things i, I didn't have a really problem with that so i didn't think that was going to uh, do it i just was never attached again it wasn't until much later that i got attached to cat and just because i just seen this guy kind of you know act and work and kind of have some fun scenes but i mm -hmm. feel like i don't know it <laughs> It felt very meandering, especially on the Paul Cat, like the the war side of things, where it was like there was. I mean, and I guess that's war. I mean, obviously, I've never experienced it, so I don't know. But like this random, a lot of obviously a lot of downtime. But 
they didn't take that downtime to really build the characters. And they never really got to the true depravity levels of like 1917. It, it was like they kept cutting away from some of the really brutal stuff. So I don't know if they just didn't have either the, the budget for the CGI or the practical effects to do it. Um, and so a lot of it was implied, which can actually sometimes be worse. But you, I don't know. I, it just didn't drag me in of like, like this is the depraved. Like it, it felt like a typical war film. It didn't feel like an overly like, you know, the depravity of war, war, war film kind of a thing. It's not like an apocalypse now. The only, yeah, the only scene that really kind of resonated and stuck with me that I thought was pretty haunting was when Paul kills that French soldier in the, down in the, where there's been shelling. So it's kind of in a pit. And then the regret, like mm -hmm. that, that worked, but that was so far into the movie. I mean, I think that was two hours in and this movie's like bordering on three hours. I think it's like yeah. two hours, 48 minutes, something. It's too it's long. Ridiculous. It's just mm -hmm. too long. And I found the first half more interesting than the, the back half. But I, unfortunately I had like a really splintered viewing experience with this. I, I've pretty much watched the first two thirds in the movie. Don't remember what happened. Something came up, an emergency or something had to stop it. And then remembered where I was and and picked it up later and finished it. And so maybe maybe there's some recency bias there. I don't know. But I I felt like the first half of the movie was a little more interesting than than the back half. And then it's like it was very predictable, right? Mainly because I am familiar with World War One, not as much as I am World War Two, but I'm familiar enough to know that where they were going that, Hey, just because the treaty, the armistice has been signed, doesn't mean guys aren't going to still die. And that was, like you said, stuff's just telegraphed from a mile away that, that Kaiser or whatever sitting in his palatial estate, you know, yeah. saying, Oh, we're just gonna, you know, we're going to really stick it to him one last time before the, the treaty is official. I knew that was going to happen. It is It is a good picture of the futility of war though. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally get that. And I feel like had it been done just a slightly bit better, had it been not telegraphed as much, some of those emotional beats would have hit more or focus some more of the futility of this, like the depravity. Because, I mean, you were even talking like like in the in the front half, you had the uh, Daniel Brule's character talking about how terrible this is and how we need to end it or whatever. And obviously now a year later, he's on his way to, to try to sign this this treaty it, it felt like you either needed to focus on the futility of war the depravity of war or these emotional beats like it just kind of felt like i was being pushed too many ways or and they didn't really not that it lined up but like it just felt off like it never really hit nothing actually kind of really landed which i think what the director was trying to go for so again i walked away from it going not that I wanted my two, you know, almost three hours of my life back because it was definitely beautiful, but it, this is definitely a heavily flawed film. And I think Laura was definitely saying it right where she's like, if I'm going to sit down and watch a long movie that looks like this, I'm going to just watch Thin Red Line again. She goes, because mm -hmm. again, it had too much of that nature stuff interposed with like the depravity of war, which again, very much reminiscent of like a Terrence Malick film to me. And again, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to go watch a better movie, which has me engaged with, with the characters a little bit more. Um, I, I know again, different war. So it's hard to compare those because world war two moved a whole lot faster than world war one, but 
if I want to watch World, you know, World War One film, I'm going to watch 1917. You know, or which, or Paths of Glory by oh, Kubrick. Yeah, yeah which that, is probably the best. 1917 is is great, but I think Paths of Glory is the the best World War One film that there is. But I think 1917 is more accessible for for regular people, and then obviously it's it's only a couple of years old. Yeah. Well, and I'll also also say. 1917 is like we talk we're talking about the how, the cinematography of, of this movie 1917 blows it out of the water and uh i don't know i'm gonna tell you man that that night scene in the town with, yeah. with like the red flares yeah, no like, that's fair that, that's fair that, that that's blows fair but there's there's a whole lot more going on there than just the cinematography i mean the score the score they did a minimalist kind of score for this for all quiet on the western front like that weird mm-hmm. like horns and drum it's yeah. very unsettling it's the whole thing's very unnerving i will say i will give the the filmmakers credit they did give me a sense of uneasiness and anxiety watching all quiet on the western front that i didn't always have watching 1917 because of that minimalist music with the drums and stuff and it like yeah. shrieking it's really unnerving and so mm-hmm. that was largely successful but yeah 1917 i mean the but as far as the as far as the color grade and shot selection, for the most part, all quiet's not like. I no. don't think it's like a mile behind 1917. No, but you're no. right. There are certain scenes in 1917 that just put it over the top. You know. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, like th- there was a point like near the like the latter third or whatever. It was the night before the uh, you know the treaty gets signed or whatever, and Paul and cat or sleeping off in the the little french town that they've occupied or whatever um and they kind of go to bed and then it's now just shots of you know inside of rooms with flares happening outside of mm-hmm. like light peeking through and i was like this is a cool shot but it doesn't add anything to like i, I don't it's just the passing of time yeah and i was like there was so much of that that we could have cut this down maybe gotten it un you know two hours and 15 minutes, you know, or even under two hours, like could it cut trim some of the fat that would have sped the movie along or at least gotten the story going where some of those beats might've hit more. Cause I wouldn't have had as much time to just, you know, in between those beats or had as much time to kind of process them um, to kind of make me feel a little bit, you know, more emotional. Again, the telegraphing probably would have still like cat's death. I, I never would have been like, Oh my goodness. Cat is now dead because you knew that. No, I mean, happening. I was kind of curious how it would happen. And then when the reveal, I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Now, how did you watch this? Did you, did you have the, were you watching in the German original language with subtitles? Okay. So same, same here. So we had the same, and I try to do that. You know, I, subtitles don't turn me off. In in fact, if it's something like this, I would rather hear, I get more invested. I can actually just hear the German, even though I can't understand, you know, 99% of it. You get better acting than a dub version. Yeah. And honestly, Although, I get... And a total aside, the AI technology is nearly here where they're going to be able to not only redub correctly, the mouth movement is going to be corrected for 20 languages. There's already mm-hmm. there's already a demo of it where you'll be able to watch these these movies and their mouths will move correctly for, for an English translation, which is pretty cool. It is, but I, I'll try it out. I'll definitely definitely try it out. But there's something to be said about being there, you know, in the moment, in front of the camera, dealing with that, instead of being, you know, in a sound booth where, you know, you've got your, 
you know, yeah. tea with honey right out the, outside, crisp, ready for you uh, when you need to take a break and, you know, stop coughing right. or something, you know. So I, I, I'll definitely try it out, you know, when it happens and, and see what I think. But Yeah, we'll, honestly, see, what, we'll see what audiences I, think. I don't, I don't mind subtitles. And again, I'm much like you, I'd much prefer to hear the actual actor, you know, saying it as opposed to, and that's for obviously live action for, you know, animated stuff that's maybe in a different language than then can switch. I generally will list, you know, watch it in the, the English um, version. No, absolutely. No. Yeah. This, like you said, this is, this is a flawed movie, but for a Netflix production, I, I'd say it's, Pretty solid. It's not the best I've seen from Netflix. Um, and I don't know if this is a, I'm not going to Google it right now. I don't know if this is an actual Netflix production or if this, or they just slap their name on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who all the rights holders are. I'm gonna, I'm assuming it's a, it's a, since it's exclusive to Netflix that it was produced much like uh, the King mm-hmm. was, which I, which is probably one of my more favorite films that, that Netflix has actually produced the That's one with uh, Tim- Timothy uh, Chalamet. Yeah. Really good film. But yeah, I mean, this was, if you're a war or if you're a war film aficionado, you've probably already seen this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where it ranks. Not, it's not bad. It's probably middle of the pack. It's kind of weird to me that it's a, um, got as many Oscar noms as it did. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, definitely won for best, picture is throwing me for a little bit too. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't, I can see it's nominated yeah. for nine Oscars. Yeah. And uh, I mean, cinematography, so, cause cinematography, 100% totally can get it. I have, I've got it up here. So it, you know, best sound design. sound design was good. Visual effects. I'm, I'm assuming we're seeing a lot of stuff that looks like it was just shot in camera. That was a visual effect. So I get that. Best picture? No. No. Best Makeup adapted screenplay? Uh, cinematography, yes. What's yeah. that? Makeup and hairstyling? Sure. Sure. You know? sure. Yeah. And um, production design? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, most of them are justified, but, and this is, again, these, you know, shock, shocker, these are our opinions. <laughs> <laughs> but What? What? But yeah, I think, I think some of that was a reach. And the reason I say that is because I've seen better war films that didn't pick up near as many nominations as this. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't. No. Well, and I, I'm a little surprised. I mean, it's got a 7.8 on IMDb, which I know, you know, we're not really care that much about ratings, but that's, that's really high in my opinion. Like almost an eight. I mean, you're talking like Raiders of the Lost Ark is like 8.1, you know, saving or saving private Ryan is like 8.1. You're telling me this is three tenths of a point. I, less i don't know maybe um you know maybe maybe it's really resonated in in europe maybe That's european just, I mean, maybe european viewers have seen this and are like yeah this is because make no mistake europe is still scarred mm-hmm. from both world wars like oh, yeah. in the psyche of the continent for good reason they are they are scarred and so maybe it resonated i don't i don't know maybe people went back and looked looked up more of their family trees and were like, man, yeah, look at all the people we lost in first world war. Cause yeah, WW2 gets all of the, all the books, all the movies. And as far as brutality, world war one was a far more brutal conflict. I mean, yeah, you gain, you gain no ground mowed down my machine guns, mustard gas, 
Do you remember, was there any gas scene in this? Uh, not really. So you had the scene where they're walking to the front and there was the bomb that dropped that missed him. And then he put, says, put, you know, gas, 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 and everyone puts their mask on, but there wasn't actually a gas. So I couldn't tell, uh, when the tanks roll in, it had a, like the, the air, like had like a, a mist or fog that, right, that had a yellow was tinge. That was it. Then that was mustard gas. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. I don't remember they, they went into that room with, it was just littered with bodies Oh yeah. And they were, they were all dead from chemical warfare, but I don't remember seeing, I don't remember seeing guys like actually dying via mustard gas, which is horrific. I mean, as horrific a death as you can think of. And I hate to tell them like, Oh, well you should have put more stuff that's horrific in here, but, and there's some bad, I don't know. There's some, there's some rough moments and the, the flame, the flamethrower stuff is really rough. And I don't know how much of it's me conditioned to watching war movies with, you know, a little bit more upper ending, not really mm-hmm. joyous. And certainly no. Apocalypse Now is not, not an upper. And that's one of my, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, Private Ryan's even sort of middle, middle of the ground, middle road on, on its tone on how it ends. Yeah. Thin Red Line's not a. Not a happy movie. No. And yeah, I, that that movie's tremendous. I remember I I know we disagree on <laughs> we need to do the debate of Private Ryan versus Thin Red Line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Cuz I'm team I used to be team Private Ryan, now I'm team Thin Red Line. Team. All right. I mean, I'm I'm Private Ryan now. Bear, bear in mind and I haven't watched them for either of them for a while. So maybe in my old age I will appreciate Thin Red Line more. And I don't think it I'm actually just stirring up trouble because I don't think there needs to be a versus debate on yeah. those two films. They can exist. They can coexist nicely. What was it? You know, two different theaters. So yeah. You know. And well, yeah, two different theaters of war. And then somebody, I don't remember who somebody made a really nice comparison that said private Ryan is a novel and the thin red line is a poem. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. And yeah. I thought that was beautiful. And I was like, yeah, that's, that that describes those two movies to a T. And so you're telling me uh, is is the novel better than the poem? No. They're they're just no. they're both great. So But you know what we're, we're missing? What fantastic war film. What's that? Wind Talkers, the fantastic Nick Cage vehicle. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you want to talk about remakes? Yes. You want to talk about a remake? Give me freaking remake of wind talkers. Cause the the whole Navajo code speak thing was, is super cool. And that movie just ruined it. I remember seeing the trailers for that going, Oh yeah, that's, that's great. That finally, finally that, that group um, is getting their due. Mm -hmm. And no, no, just a, just a ridiculous Nick cage vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that would be a great remake. Yeah. Put, put a, decent director behind it, put some serious actors behind it, mm-hmm. get a good, you know, obviously this, there's a great story already kind of, you know, there with, with that, the, the code and stuff, just don't make it a Nick cage vehicle. Like, no, they made their, their mistake was, Oh, we're going to make the lead. Is the lead going to be a Navajo code talker? No, no, <laughs> no. Let's just put Nick cage in there. And then no, that was it's terrible. Yeah, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. So yeah, the it, this is tough because the war film library catalog is really deep now, mm-hmm. right? So like the 
the deck was stacked against this, I think, in a lot of ways. And then coming off what? Yeah, three three years ago with 1917. And that's mm -hmm. gonna be the immediate comparison that it's drawing. Yeah. That's Mike, my, my I love to conjecture if this came out in 2019 and like maybe say it doesn't win best picture, but that it cleaned up at the Oscars and then 1917 comes out last year. What kind of conversation are we having on what's the better movie? Like, are we even able to put ourselves in that headspace to say, like if all quiet got the theatrical run and then 1917 is oh, in Netflix, mm. it's hard to say. It's hard to say. It, it, it is. Uh, uh, again, I feel like 1917 still would have beat it out because the story is tighter than, yeah, like it's, it is. it's more concise. This felt, you know, out and it still kind of made those hits of the brutality of war, the futility of war, of just what World War One was kind of do. And I think well, it was Sam Mendes, right? With um, mm -hmm. did yep. 1917. Um, and I think, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Who, by the way, as much as I think this is great, I, I haven't seen Empire of Light, which, but Deacons did that. And so I'm like, yeah. I kind of I like I'm already rooting for a movie that I have not seen because of Deacons, even though this movie is beautiful. And I'm like, uh, I felt bad. But anyways, that's not a point. Welcome um, to Deacons A to B. Yeah, Deacons A to B and, and the amazingness of Deacons. Anyways, but like, I think even again, it's hard to put yourself in that headspace, but even switching that out, I still think I would prefer 1917 over yeah. this movie because again i think the acting was better i think the storyline was better uh and definitely this the shot selection and story beats were, were better and again i the night scene when he's going through that town we're basically representative of basically going through hell kind of a situation i you just there's nothing that replicates it in all quiet like, no it's kind of no Sorry. i was waiting for that moment like yeah. I was waiting for something not equivalent, but I was waiting for a similar m moment that would really resonate with me. Mm -hmm. And the closest it got was, was Paul watching that French, the French soldier die in front of him that he just stabbed. It was powerful, but it didn't, it didn't reach the heights of, no. of that, of that scene in 1917 where, yeah, you're right. He is, it is his descent into, uh, into hell. Yeah. yeah this, uh, it's a solid movie, but, I do question, I do question a best picture nomination. I really do. Unless they're, I mean, is the Academy maybe starting now to say, Hey, we're going to kind of take what we felt like was maybe the best of the bunch from the streaming services and give it a best picture nomination to open it up. Cause that would make sense to me, right? This is, yeah. this is Netflix kind of acknowledging, Hey, the streaming, these streaming studios are, are, power players now and we'll we'll take maybe what the best of what they came up with in 22 and we'll give it a best picture nomination and a bunch of other nominations it's the only other explanation i can come up with yeah it i say i i hesitate to want that because like i want I oh mean, i don't i'm perfect yeah. i'm perfectly fine them pulling movies from streaming services but i wanted to also kind of measure up to that best picture like i want it to be in the same quality um now of course this is really weird year in my opinion for best picture noms of like where you've got movies like top gun maverick and avatar which i think you take any other year that we've had the oscars would never have made um the the, the list i mean it's you COVID. Know what? yeah it's covid killing the theaters that's yeah, yeah we've talked about that that's that's what it is but it is a weird it is a weird nominee year i mean it is it's yeah. half the stuff nobody's seen the other half everybody has seen 
I mean, I think if you, if I went out on the street right now and surveyed a hundred people and asked them what should be best picture, I'm pretty confident Top Gun Maverick would be their answer for like the average cinema goer. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's fair. Like it's, it was a lot of fun, but can we get back to, I'm just missing an era of like when Gladiator was named this picture mm-hmm. and everybody saw it. Like most yeah. people saw Gladiator or most people saw Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, right? Mm-hmm. And if you go back through Best Picture winners, Return of the King's like the last big blockbuster that anybody saw that won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. That was 2003 for the 2004 Oscars. Yeah. It's been a long time. Everything Doesn't after that's like usually pretty obscure or I middle mean, of the road obscure, like No Country for Old Men, the year it won. Argo. Like I knew, it, or what? Argo in like 2012, I think. Or yeah. 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 Argo, uh, I knew a lot Is of people it? that saw Argo. Yeah. Yeah. It made, it made good money, but it wasn't, it wasn't, I wouldn't call Ar- Argo a blockbuster. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So yeah, they've got, they've got their work cut out for them on trying to figure out, uh, what, what the criteria are, and you know yeah, exactly what's like, what deserves it, what doesn't. Yeah, well, let me take a look. The Departed, but yeah, I would neither of them again. I would like you're you're correct, and they're not huge blockbuster films. No, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Who knows if we even ever get back to that that era? You well, especially know. like that era in 1998 when you know the greatest film ever, Shakespeare in Love, won Best Picture. Man. They got it right that year. So there'll be a drinking contest later <laughs> for how many times an episode we bring up 1998 and the sham Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> anytime any Ben gets butthurt about Saving Private Ryan, <laughs> grab a drink. Grab a drink. <laughs> or well, I you, bring it up just to anger you. No, I'm um, fine. I, it's, yeah. What's funny now is it's kind of increased the legend of saving private Ryan rather than worked against it. It may be the best non best picture winner of all time. (laughs) It might be. So certainly up there. Yeah. You have any, you have any closing wrap up on before we wrap up all quiet? Um, not much. I mean, like if you do see it, I would recommend carving the time out to watch it and watch it in one sitting. I think that benefited me more. If I had had to carve this up and watch it kind of piecemeal like you did, I think, I don't know if, I, I think I would have the same problem where I wouldn't have gone back to it for weeks and just been like, oh yeah, I need to go finish this. Like there's nothing would have drawn me back to make me, make me watch it, you know, no. or finish it. The irony is I think is the people that I would recommend watch it have already seen it. Mm-hmm. So for, for the average cinema goer, movie goer, I'm probably not even going to worry about it. It's just because it is, it's just downright depressing. Yeah. But it does. If you've never seen anything that conveys how futile and how many young men futilely lost their lives in the first world war, then yeah, give it a watch. And it's not hard to watch because it's on Netflix. So, or go watch path of glory. Yeah. Really. And, and 1917. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or thin red line. Yeah. Well, the list goes on. I, <laughs> yeah, we can, we can post. <laughs> what movies we'll, to we'll watch po- instead yeah, of this no, one. We'll yeah. post, we'll come up with some sort of joint top 10 list of war films we both recommend and post it yeah. somewhere on socials, which brings me to follow us 
on the Facebooks and the Instagrams at Cinema A to B. And now YouTube, yeah, at Cinema A to B as well if you want to watch watch the podcast there. And then uh, we are we are now on the TikToks. What? At Cinema A to B. Yeah. <laughs> so was waiting to surprise Alec on that one. <laughs> oh man. He's oh. frustrated with me, I'm sure. Oh. But yeah, we are on the TikToks at Cinema A to B. We are on the TikToks. No, of and we would, yeah, no. It's what, what is it your is, daughter running that then? Yeah, my daughter is my six year old daughter, soon to be six year olds running running our TikTok page. It's blowing up. It's blowing up. Because you only need to be six to blow up on TikTok. <laughs> no, but we appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to another episode of Cinema A to B. And yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're listening to the audio only, please uh, give us a review. I think please. you can give a re- review on Apple Podcast and then maybe a star rating on Spotify. That's it. So uh, I think Google Podcasts too. Is Google allowing that? Yeah. And f- feel free to engage with us on these uh, these places. And especially since we're talking this movie, if you do live in Europe or a not you know not the U.S. and have you know experienced war in this kind of way and this resonated with you a lot more than the two of us hey like let us know that this was a much better movie for you than maybe what we experienced oh yeah if anybody yeah if anybody's listening from europe and you want to get a hold of us and comment on the youtube about your own if you've got if you've done research into your family tree on the first world war i'd love i would love to read that i really would so yeah again thanks for for catching cinema a to b we appreciate you Thanks, everybody.